Welcome to the NOVA Podcast. On today's episode, NOVA Artistic Co-Director Anne Francis Bayliss interviews pianist Cahill Smith. Well, it is really my great pleasure to be speaking with Cahill Smith, and Cahill has been here in Logan for a year now, a year plus. We're going into your second year on the faculty here at Utah State University. Um, and just speaking personally for a moment, I was on the search committee that hired oh, you. Thank you. And I just have to say <laughs> it was uh, amazing to to get to meet you and to see somebody who is really just working at such an incredibly high level in always in the profession as a performer and as a teacher, uh, as a researcher. So we're so thrilled that you're here. And you. I'm especially thrilled uh, to be here in my capacity as one of the music directors for the Nova Chamber Music Series to virtually introduce you to our audience. Now, in September, you would have been performing <laughs> on the stage of Libby Gardner Concert Hall. Uh, with uh, Fry, the Fry Street Quartet. Uh, Shostakovich. Shostakovich, our great our Shostakovich Quintet project, which will rise again, I hope, someday. Um, but we were also going to hear uh, some Metner on that program. Uh, and thankfully, we still do get to hear some Metner. Um, and Metner is kind of a hero to you and somebody who you're really, uh, you know, you've kind of made your life's work in studying him and his music. So if you wouldn't mind, just tell us a little bit about Metner and why you were drawn to his music. Absolutely. But first, thanks again for asking me on the series. I was so looking forward to Shostakovich and, and meeting your audience, too. So I haven't played a concert in Salt Lake City so far. So I'm looking forward to soon, soon. <laughs> meeting this great uh, audience one day. But uh, thanks again for having me and uh, for, for taking the time. Yeah, Metner is, uh, I, I think, for me, um, just one of the uh, one of the most captivating composers that seems to be less heard than others. Mm -hmm. So don't know how to say that quickly. Just <laughs> his his the quality of his music and how it speaks to me doesn't seem to match up with how well he is he's known or or not known. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so yeah, his music is, is very special to me personally and. I think it's starting uh, on a kind of upward trend, at least among pianists, to be more popular in the concert repertoire and then in, in academia as well as, as uh, pieces that are, that are taught and appreciated in the general piano audience. And it's, he's, he's a little bit like Chopin in that he didn't write a piece that excludes the piano. So it's all piano music or with piano. He was tied to the instrument as a composer's tool, and he was a fantastic virtuoso, of course. So um, I think that's part of the reason, maybe, that uh, he's not known outside of uh, piano circles. But mm -hmm. nowadays, I think it's, it's pretty common to see his music uh, in international piano competitions. Mm -hmm. um, and especially, there's a maybe larger following in uh, Russia and England, where he uh, immigrated and spent the rest of his life. So I don't want to sit here and drone on forever about him. I, I don't know what it is that you're interested in uh, hearing about. Well, maybe just a little bit about the pieces that you chose to sure. play today. Yeah, absolutely. So for people that don't, that don't know him in general, he's, uh, I like to think, him as a, think of him as a uh, cousin or best friend of Rachmaninoff. And the latter is actually true. They, they were great friends through their entire lives and relied on each other for artistic advice and just sharing music. Their wives were good friends as well. 
and uh, so 1880 to 1951, and uh, the I, I guess the common criticism of Medner is that his music is, is old-fashioned, that he was content to stay with the sort of harmonic vocabulary of of uh, Brahms, maybe uh, with plus Brahms plus, I'll say, <laughs> until you know all the way until the 1950s. So. Um, writing this traditional tonal music and a lot of traditional forms, but trying to say something new with them. And I think for, for that reason, he was maybe skipped over in his time period. He, he admitted himself that he felt he was an anachronism, that mm -hmm. his music didn't belong in that time period. If he, he, he was born a century too late, is how he said it. Because uh -huh. he was fascinated with, uh, with Beethoven and with, um, with uh, sonata form, really. Mm -hmm. He's the the most prolific composer of sonatas uh, after Beethoven for, for the piano. He has four, 14 solo piano sonatas and they're pretty big substantial mm -hmm. works too. So I didn't record any of those because they're, they're heavy handed and long, long to listen to. So what I um, am presenting today is just four little short uh, character pieces that I uh, really love and have enjoyed playing and learning. And also because they're a big challenge for me, <laughs> every single one of those pieces has something about it that was Kind of a new, um, new, new technique or a new struggle, I guess, to get through. Um, and I think all of his pieces are like that. They're, it's it's very similar to Brahms in that every piece is quite different and it develops out of its own self-contained logic. So there's always something to do and always something that throws you for a loop and performance. So those pieces. The first one that I'm playing is uh, his first published piece. It's from. Eight Mood Pictures, Opus One. I think he wrote this when he was about 16 years old, still as a, a school student. Um, the second piece is from Opus 38. Opus 38. It's a, from a book of forgotten melodies. <laughs> Not forgotten because it's Metner and we all, <laughs> all forgotten, but that's the actual title of the book. <laughs> and the uh, second and third one are from the second book of, of forgotten melodies. So he uh, made a few collections of those. And um, yeah, just to give a few notes about the pieces themselves, the, the first one, this first published piece, it has a kind of mysterious story behind it that he claims is true, but I don't know that anyone has ever followed up on. And he wrote this piece early in his life and then later, uh, around Opus 36, went back and noticed that the poem, which inspired him to write the piece, and he has a little motto from the poem, it's by Lermontov, at the top of the score, uh, he went to match each of the melody notes, which you'll hear play by the thumbs, uh, with the syllables in the text and found that it just mysteriously matched the poem perfectly. Yeah. And he decided to reset it as a song. So he just transposed it to, to another key that was more comfortable for the singer and published it again with the words. Um, so I'm playing the solo version, obviously, without a singer. And uh, so polyrhythmic challenge I think I was showing you yeah. before with uh, this very strange and complicated for a, a first piece. I think it's just amazing the mastery of rhythm and harmony there uh, ends up sounding like a just a beautiful duet for the thumbs and it feels uncomfortable to play but in, <laughs> in the end when you listen it, it's, it sounds uh, very smooth and, and very beautiful with all of these rhythms put together. Uh, the second piece is called Canzona Serenata, or like a night song. Um, this has a little quotation from an early, another sonata in that set. The 
his idea with that set was to give a big piano sonata and then a lot of little character pieces afterwards that sort of play on the themes from the sonata. And the last piece is like a coda to the sonata. He's trying to create this large concert experience for, for everyone. And so this piece I just love. I think it's a beautiful melody and starts out with this motto um, and ends with a, the, the same mysterious motto and very, very softly with some uh, thumb notes sustained o over the bar line at the end. That's actually supposed to go onto another piece that I didn't play. <laughs> I just, I love this melody and I wanted to share that one. The third one is a totally different uh, atmosphere. It's called meditation. And this, this one I like to think of as a nightmare. <laughs> um, something twisted and mm. uh, just uh, almost, it's, it's hard in, in music we get all these emotions, but I've, I've never felt the, the emotion of disgust, I guess mm. disgust in music. And I think that this piece really brings that out in some way. It's like some horrible nightmare where you, you see something and you just become obsessed with this idea and you can't get it out of your, wow. your head. So very uh, uh, bizarre piece, but um, still a traditional tonal in some way. And he avoids any kind of uh, resolution until the very last note. There's no uh, cadences and no tonic wow. triads. So uh, interesting piece that way. That starts the second book of uh, Forgotten Melodies. And the last one that I played is uh, called Primavera, Springtime. And it's just a lovely little melody, almost pent pentatonic all the way through. and. Uh, I always like to think of that one as a celebration for someone living in, in Russia where getting through the winter is a matter of life and death, mm -hmm. which is different from where I grew up in Alabama. <laughs> it's no big deal. Um, so th that's an outpouring of joy, I think, in the end. So those are the four pieces. I know I, for one, am really looking forward to getting, know, getting to know his music much more in depth um, with you here uh, with us. Um, Cahill is, of course, I'll, I'll, already mentioned to us more than once that there's a piano quintet. Yeah, <laughs> so sorry. We're pretty, no, we're pretty <laughs> excited about getting to know that. But I'm yeah. sure the Nova audience too will be really excited to kind of get inside his language. So thank you for that. It's really, um, it's very useful. Um, and now you mentioned your upbringing in Alabama. And so you don't have to give us your full bio here, but just tell us quickly a little bit about your background and how you made it here to Utah State. Yeah, that's, that is a very circuitous, strange, circuitous <laughs> path and then I, sometimes I still wake up here and then look at the mountains and how, how did I end up here is this right <laughs> is this home now and Heather and I are still you know dealing with that when we go hiking you know yeah. sometimes and see the just beautiful nature that you guys have here it still feels like a sort of honey, honeymoon phase for yeah. us to see this beautiful outdoors here um, so yeah I grew up in the middle of nowhere in Alabama um, a little town called Tallahassee and uh, I started, I feel, I always regretted, you know, not starting earlier, but uh, asked for lessons uh, back, back in elementary school. I think I was finishing third grade. We had, uh, people always asked, the first time I, you know, wanted to play piano, I think it was, it was then um, our school puts together a kind of musical theater thing for mm -hmm. third graders. It's called the third grade opera. <laughs> and I was assigned to be a, a uh, performer like an actor and a composer I didn't know anything about either of those but we sat in a room with now I realize a very talented third grade teacher with amazing musicianship who would come up with these songs with us she was transposing at the keyboard you know coming up with lyrics and wow. I was just fascinated watching her 
you know, get around that. It was, yeah. it was inspiring to me. So I asked if I could have, have lessons then and uh, moved on to a really wonderful teacher in, uh, in Alabama who really changed my, my palette, I guess, for music that I listened to because I grew up with mostly just country and bluegrass. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's uh, still a big part of my, I won't <laughs> call it wasted space, but <laughs> lots of uh, country lyrics stuck, stuck up there. Um, anyways, uh, when I first was introduced to classical music, I just fell in love with it. I was so yeah. excited about it, interested in the sounds, and just hadn't been exposed to it enough mm -hmm. as a kid. So I started about 15 to just listen to things obsessively with my teacher, and that, that really helped me to get, get going. And I think uh, that, that sort of sparked the, the interest. And so I went, went to college in Alabama. I had to study with a Van Cliburn uh, silver medalist there, Yakov Kosman, and he uh, really helped to push me, I think, through through that time period. And I moved to your home, Michigan, mm -hmm. for a couple of years and did some uh, school there uh, with Arthur Green and University of Michigan. Moved to New York, uh, upstate New York, another freezing cold place in Rochester <laughs> for a DMA. And then before I moved to Utah, I was teaching at a liberal arts school in Tennessee called Lee University. Uh, small small school there but with a wonderful music program and some really incredible pianists yes. so um i was really lucky to land there and it just I, I was able to have so many great musical experiences there not only with my colleagues but with students as well just yeah. I, I think that really helped me to get a, a developed taste for teaching and to just really love love doing that so now i'm here doing the the same thing and i think the first time i heard about utah state was from a friend of mine who lives uh down in Ogden, and he mm -hmm. mentioned that there's this really wonderful uh, institution here looking for a, a piano teacher. So I applied and uh, came out to visit, met you guys for the first time. I think it was February, and, and yeah, now I'm here. Yeah, you're a Utahan. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I have a driver's license now. So it's, it's official. <laughs> you're official. Yeah. Well, uh, you mentioned hiking, so of course you've already certainly availed yourselves of some of you know the incredible beauty that mm -hmm. surrounds you. That's mm -hmm something that's so enticing for so many of us when we're first looking here. Um, well, I happen to know on good authority too that you uh, know quite a lot about the cello and piano repertoire. And maybe you could just share with our Nova audience why that is that you know that repertoire as well Actually, as you do. I feel pretty like ashamed uh, about my string repertoire knowledge. <laughs> you, you, you know all the piano music, which is awesome for you. Are you pianist? Do you play as well? Not I mean, very well. Your no. husband does, right? <laughs> yes, Brent, Brent. yes, my husband does. So yeah, that's also, um, a, uh, a joy of marriage. My wife is a cellist, and so of course I have a very soft spot for the cello. <laughs> Who doesn't? It's an amazing instrument. With the, it just cuts to your your core with yeah. the vocal quality of it. So yeah, my my wife is Heather, and she uh, plays cello beautifully, and we've enjoyed playing a lot of music together. And uh, she is now you know transitioning a little bit to a different different uh, career, but I'm still trying to get her to play as much as she can because <laughs> I bet I love the repertoire so much. It's, it's so so, great. so beautiful. It's yeah. so great. Well, you referenced her changing career. Heather is actually uh, for those Salt Lakers uh, listening. Of course, she is uh, just starting medical school at the University of Utah. So. Um, I hope we'll see her uh, when she can come to some of these Sunday afternoon concerts at NOVA. Um, and selfishly, of course, now as, as the cellist, uh, I know that this means that maybe I'll be able to get some real estate, uh, some time with you more easily because she is otherwise <laughs> occupied. So, Well, Cahill, it's really been a pleasure. Thank you for sharing a little bit about yourself and especially about the music. It's, it's delightful. And uh, we're just so thrilled to have you as part of 
uh, the Nova family uh, going forward. And of course, we can't wait to have you there in person sooner rather than later, I hope. So. That's so sweet. I can't look, wait uh, to, to meet the audience, but also just to go and listen. I just uh, now more than ever, we were just talking before we started how important it is to listen to music yeah. live and to feel that connection. I'm so excited to go down there and, and listen to just be an audience member. That's my favorite part. Yeah. yeah. So, yes. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me and thanks for giving Medner a little spot. A absolutely, little spot. absolutely. No, glad to have a platform for it. And, and I'll say to your, to your audience, if, uh, if you, if you uh, have time for a second listening, for me, th this music is, is similar to, I guess, to Brahms and some, mm -hmm. some other composers that the second time it, it kind of opens up and it really, yeah. I think, ri richly pays back the time uh, for a second listening in, in a different way. That's but great. Thanks well, for having me and for including that music. Absolutely. Well, and I guess we could say that's one of the many silver linings of our pandemic situation, right, is that if, if this is, in fact, released online, then people can listen again. It's very easy. <laughs> if they do. It's I'll not now, now. <laughs> it's not the live experience, yeah. but we get the benefit of that, you know, mm -hmm. to get to listen again and maybe again, you know, to get to know it. So, so thank you. Absolutely. Home. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. Today's episode was hosted by Anne Francis Bayliss. You can hear Cahill Smith perform music by Metner on the next concert in Nova season, available beginning Friday, May 21st at novaslc.org. NOVA has received generous support from the Utah Legislature and Utah Division of Arts and Museums, the Lawrence T. and Janet T. D. Foundation, Salt Lake County Zoo Arts and Parks, George S. and Dolores Dore Eccles Foundation, Isotope, Salt Lake City Arts Council, the Cultural Vision Fund, Dominion Energy, Rocky Mountain Power Foundation, the Alice M. Ditson Fund of Columbia University, and the Aaron Copeland Fund for Music. Don't forget to subscribe and share the NOVA podcast with your friends. Thanks for listening.